Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866 210 5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. I'm Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. As cars become more like computers, the nature of how they operate, how they're maintained, and how they are used is evolving. And with those changes, the business model of the industry is changing too. An important step in the evolution is the rollout of the 5G wireless network across the U.S. With the ability to transmit data faster, it enables automakers and their partners to develop new services that can create value and generate revenue far beyond the first owner of a long-lasting vehicle. For all that to happen, cars are going to need a lot more computing power, which companies like Qualcomm are glad to supply. I spoke with Nicole DeGaulle, Senior Vice President at Qualcomm and General Manager of its automotive business, about the transition to 5G. We also discussed the more urgent computing issue facing the industry, the shortage of silicon chips needed for current technologies such as adaptive cruise control and automatic stop-start. Spoiler alert, the issue is not going away anytime soon. We reached Nicole DeGaulle at Qualcomm's headquarters in San Diego. Nikul Degal, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, look, I just have to start right off. I cannot have a leader from one of the world's top semiconductor companies come on the show without asking about the supply of chips. Uh, just last week, we saw more plant shutdowns scheduled for GM and Stellantis. Ford is now looking at shipping incomplete vehicles to dealers and asking the service departments to complete the assembly. It, I guess I just want to know, I mean, is this the worst of it? Is, is is July the bottom? Can we expect supply to start improving in August or could the situation just continue to get worse? Yeah, you know, it is a, it is a perfect storm. Uh, and I think uh, really every supplier has a slightly different uh, situation because, uh, uh, you know, Semiconductor supply chains are complex, uh, to say the least. And then I think with automotive, with demands uh, increasing significantly, the supply chain being very diverse, I think uh, every automaker, every tier one has a fairly unique situation at hand. We've been fortunate. We have a very large uh, semiconductor business and uh, the products that we supply into the auto industry, we are able to leverage the scale and uh, the relationships that we have. And we've been able to, for the most part, uh, manage uh, through the supply crisis quite well. We have prioritized automotive, given the importance of the industry to us, given the importance of semiconductors to the industry. So we've been able to uh, definitely prioritize it and stay ahead of uh, most of the complexity. Of course, demand has been growing very significantly. So you, you will always find hotspots where we are desperately trying to keep up with uh, uh, the ever-increasing demand. Uh, but I think uh, over the next, my prediction is over the next uh, you know, six months or so, I think things start to get to a point where there is a lot more predictability. Okay. 
So it really is going to kind of drag out through the whole rest of the year, most likely. That's my that's my assumption, and I think uh, you know automotive does have its own unique uh, requirements in terms of the various types of dependencies that exist across a wide variety of process nodes, a lot of legacy nodes, a lot of uh, unique uniqueness in the supply chain. So mm. I think it's going to take some time for right. uh, us to be out of the woods completely. So is that is that a major complicating factor? I guess you know I'd love to get your perspective. I heard things from various smart people, but not directly from someone as, as close to the matter as you are, is why the auto industry is in in such a bind. Is is the problem that they are mostly simple, relatively cheap uh, chips, and so they're lower priority customers for companies other than Qualcomm? Or, or is there some other factor that maybe makes automotive suffer more than makers of computers or phones or TVs? Well, actually, it's a it's a variety of things, and it's a very good question. I, I've answered this question internally many times. I think uh, one big factor is that uh, if you think about uh, the architecture of a car uh, and the amount of time uh, that a vehicle architecture uh, coexists with other vehicle architectures, right? You typically take uh, three to five years to uh, design the architecture, start to deploy it. The vehicle then is. Uh, uh, that same architecture is shipped for five years, maybe. And then after that uh, goes end of life, you start a second architecture, but you still have to supply spare parts. You still have to be able to deal with uh, service upgrades, repairs, etc. So what ends up happening is you have multiple generations of architecture that coexist over a long period of time. Mm. And the supply chain that exists behind these architectures are fairly complex. So if you go back you know, 10 years, uh, and you compare it to what you are putting into vehicles today, there is a pretty significant difference in terms of the electronics that uh, you have to procure. And to be able to manage these multiple uh, vintages of uh, semiconductors and the uh, manufacturing capability and the uh, the factories, the raw material, the uh, packaging, the testing that is needed uh, to be supported, it is... Uh, quite a daunting uh, task. And if you assume steady state, everything is stable, everything is under control, these things can be done. But then when you had the COVID crisis, the problem was that there was uh, really a run on uh, human capital, on factory capacity, on raw material, which tested really the limits of the semiconductor industry. And when you have the complexity that automotive typically brings, uh, you know, it's going to test the limits of uh, what is, uh, you know, how how you how you maintain stability through time like this. Uh, now, how do you get out of the situation? Uh, I think it's very hard to really change uh, designs and architecture. So you have to make choices between what you will do less of and where will you route your uh, attention to more, uh, and then are you secure? with your supply capacity as you make those decisions. And every automaker has a unique set of decisions to make. So it's not like there is one common decision that everybody can move to. And uh, you have to do this amidst all of the underlying supply complexity that exists. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it is certainly not, uh, and, then, uh, and then of course, automotive is known for, you know, just in time mm -hmm. uh, supply practices, so, uh, so inventories are lean. Uh, the supply chain is uh, used to being very thin in terms of how much uh, supply they carry. Uh, 
So a lot of these factors obviously come together and they compound the problem. And uh, so I think uh, there are some choices that have to be made in terms of uh, how to get out of the situation, but more importantly, what has to change in the future uh, so that this doesn't uh, repeat again. Okay, well, I want to switch to 5G, but you know, you, you're tempting me with this. What, what, what should change in the future to protect against uh, these kinds of, of supply chain disruptions? Well, you know, I mean, look, the obvious, uh, the obvious things that I'm sure many of your uh, speakers and guests in the past have mentioned, the car is uh, uh, becoming uh, much more of a software platform. So semiconductors become a very critical part of uh, the uh, components, the raw material, uh, the uh, kind of the determinant for the car to be able to be manufactured and shipped. So the relationship with the semiconductor industry has to become much stronger. And we are seeing that all the time. We are uh, in conversations with uh, management teams at various automakers all the time where supply is front and center. I think what you almost have to think about is how will you secure not just the supply, but the relationship with the semiconductor partners, if you are an automaker, uh, where you get into a long-term partnership, into defining roadmaps together, into making sure that uh, uh, the needs of the automotive industry are understood, where we start to understand uh, what the demand is going to look like, uh, how we plan for that, what the testing needs are going to be, what the packaging needs are going to be. As you get closer in terms of industries, these problems are less likely to happen. There will have to be changes in practices in terms of how much uh, you know notice you get if there's a change that is happening, what kind of inventory you can plan for. And then, of course, the other piece is uh, there is a mix of architectures. There is still a lot of legacy architecture that uh, content that is in vehicles. And how do you move away towards newer architectures? Where can you do that faster? Where, you, where can you get second sources in place? So it's going to take some time for uh, there to be a complete shift, but I would imagine the next two to three years, every automaker is going to find a way to get to a new architecture where they have weaned themselves off of the dependencies that created the situation that we are in currently. We'll be back for more with Nicole DeGaulle after this. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. 
So uh, the first a little overlap between is there any chance that the do you, is there any risk that the shortage of semiconductors now will slow the rollout of 5G into autos or is that still far enough down the line that it can be worked around? No, we don't see any impact really there. Uh, look, the scale of, uh, you know, uh, there are over 1.7 billion smartphones that are shipped every year. <laughs> it's a massive, massive, massive scale. So, uh, yeah, I mean, automotive uh, needs are very easily uh, absorbed within a scale such as that. Uh, and then I think on the other hand, uh, the networks that are needed to go, uh, you know, ship 5G traffic, those are expanding globally also at an unparalleled speed. Uh, so, no, there is no real uh, slowdown there. Uh, networks are ready, devices are there, cars are, cars with 5G are on the road today. So they're on the road today. I was at a, a BMW was saying that their uh, iNext will be the uh, the first uh, to have 5G. Is that you mean? Is it installed in some other way or? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if you look at China, you know, which moves oh, sure. very quickly on uh, 5G, there are uh, cars on the road in China uh, have been over you know the last six, seven, eight months. Uh, uh, so I guess my point is the technology is in place, the products are in place. In markets where 5G is already deployed, many automakers have started, uh, kicked off that deployment, yes. So what what do you anticipate will be the, the key applications of 5G technology in autos? Is it about safety and driver assist systems or entertainment for passengers? Yeah, so, you know, for us, uh, this is really a very pivotal time in uh, automotive because really what is happening, you know, what we refer to internally as the digital chassis, the car is transforming significantly. The electric vehicle uh, transition is well understood. Autonomous is well understood. Uh, the digital chassis, which we basically define as the transformation of the automaker, uh, where they start to think about uh, the electronics, the semiconductors, the software that goes into the vehicle, that does a few very important things for the automaker. Number one, it allows them to, to develop an asset that they stay connected to over the life of the asset, over the first, second, third, fourth owner. Uh, that relationship between the automaker and the vehicle and the vehicle's owner is extremely important because the car is going to generate uh, value, is going to generate revenues and uh, margins over its life. And that is achieved by, first of all, connecting the car to the cloud. If that connection is not there, you might as well uh, not uh, you know, have uh, any of those aspirations. And that's where 5G kind of fits in first. Now, the way that we think about 5G is the chassis that we are developing at the digital level, uh, infotainment and the digital cockpit, very central to that uh, chassis. Telematics and telematic services are very central. Autonomous driving, real-time maps, software updates, continuous data being sent back to the cloud, absolutely critical. So the car becomes a very large consumer of data. And when I say car, what I mean is the automobile itself for its own needs. If it's a passenger vehicle, the driver or the passengers, if it's an enterprise or a fleet vehicle, the types of use cases that might be needed, whether it's logistics or delivery or uh, you know whatever you might want to go implement. And our efforts over the last four to five years 
have really evolved beyond just building the semiconductor for 5G or the RF for 5G or the uh, application processors for, uh, for the cockpit to really pulling together the software ecosystem, the services ecosystem, the partner ecosystem around this digital chassis so that we can help accelerate uh, the transition that automakers need to make from where they are today to be able to go build a, a platform that they can actually generate revenues off of. It's so uh, wide ranging. It sounds like it's going to change everything about the car other than, uh, other than how the wheels get power. Maybe they'll change that too. You know, that's the plan. I was uh, talking to uh, uh, one of our customers uh, yesterday and uh, the conversation uh, arrived at a point where how do you, how do you, uh, how do you plan for uh, an architecture where you don't actually know what the need is going to be a year, two years, three years after the car is deployed? Mm-hmm. And the answer that we both reached uh, at simultaneously was you have to think about the revenue generating potential of the vehicle that you are uh, that you are uh, building, what part of the world it is going into, who could be the first owner, the second owner, the third owner, uh, what type of vehicle is it, what is its primary use or its secondary use, and then you design the electronics and the software keeping that in mind because it's very important for the automaker to be thinking about the investment that they're making into that platform and what is the value of that investment over the physical life of the asset. So a lot of decisions are changing in terms of uh, where should the investment be made. You know, In the past, if you remember, the discussion was always, okay, this is a class B or a class C vehicle. It based, it's based upon the affordability of the options that the a uh, customer might buy, pick these plans, plan for this, you're done. Once it is shipped, don't really have to worry about it unless something goes wrong. The approach is changing completely. Well, it sounds like it's it's the, the biggest new platform uh, since the internet. <laughs> I certainly think that uh, transportation and uh, you know what automobiles look like five years from now will be very different from uh, you know what we have uh, been seeing traditionally. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, our guest was on Shift Podcast last year. Now he's been on Daily Drive. Nicole DeGaulle, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Jamie. Pleasure talking to you. That's your Daily Drive for July 20th. Thanks for listening. For the latest news on the auto industry, type in autonews.com. And for a complete library of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive.